Window World, the official windows of the Kansas City Chiefs, presents Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, online at windowskansascity.com. Joe Biden is on the ropes. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? We'll get to that in just a moment. First, a little cleanup from Thursday's podcast, Wednesday or Thursday's podcast that many of you pointed out that I was talking about the neutral site game in the AFC, the possibility of the Chiefs and Bengals playing in Atlanta. That is not a possibility. I was stuck in last week. Obviously, all three teams won last week, so somewhere in the back of my mind, I thought nothing had changed. We know that that changed because the Bengals, even with a win over the Bills, would not have caught the Chiefs. So it's the Chiefs and Bills in Atlanta if that is the AFC Championship game, which I do not think it will be. I don't think it's going to come to that. I think if the Chiefs are in the AFC Championship game, they're going to play the Bengals. I think they're the better team. We'll see how it plays out. And we'll discuss all of that fully. I made an appearance on Pete Mundo's radio show on KCMO Talk Radio, and we'll play that for you, some of that for you, uh, in the sports portion of the podcast coming up. So we'll get into that and the NFL playoffs and all that good stuff on this episode of KKHI, which will send us off to the weekend. And we start with Joe Biden on the ropes, the President of the United States, just covering up and lying, and they're allowing him to do it, and the FBI doesn't seem to be involved, and there's been... No raid of any of his properties. They're trusting his lawyers to sort through all the documents and turn over anything that's classified or that he shouldn't have had. And the fact that we are even trusting and believing these people that they are turning in said documents is a joke. Me personally, I'll give you my level of trust here. I say there's a 90% chance they have found documents and destroyed them which would obviously be the greatest political cover-up of our lifetime. But I do believe they found stuff and got rid of it. How in the world was it that they were moving boxes from an office and they sent lawyers to move the boxes? I've never heard of such a thing. All of a sudden, lawyers stumbled onto these things before the midterms. They didn't think the public was ever going to find out, folks. Let's be honest. They control the government. They control the deep state. They control the Department of Justice. They turned the stuff over. They said, archive this. When Biden is not president, we can release it then. But this was not going to get out. But it got out. Too many people knew. And it got out. I can't even say it was great journalism because I don't know that it was. It was some sort of a leak. You're only as strong as the weakest link on your chain, right? And that's how this got out. And then they had to do full disclosure. Okay, we found this, we found that. I'm not sure I even believe in that they just found the stuff at Biden's home. I think they may have found that before and said, we better turn some of these things over. And do you really think if they found 50 documents and three of them were really bad and 47 of them were pretty benign, you really think they'd turn those three over? I don't. Not sure I believe Trump would either. Anybody on either side. But especially this operation of what we've seen over the last, this new political era, and it started with Trump. There's no question about it. Our political era that we're in started with Trump in 2016, and everything changed. And the Democrats at that point, on the heels of appointing so many people and hiring new agents in the FBI and appointing so many people on courts and around the country in the Obama years, turned and weaponized the government against conservatives and against Republicans. There is no question that they've done this. This cannot be disputed by anybody on the left. They're secretly, while they argue that it's not happening, they are secretly thrilled and proud of the fact that they were so smart and worked so hard to, in some cases, change election laws to where COVID came along and we changed all these rules of the way we cha- the, you know, count votes. 
and bring votes in. They changed all that stuff. They've changed what the FBI does. They've changed what the Department of Justice does. They've altered everything in America in a very short period of time. It has resulted in winning complete and utter power. We barely won the House. We're lucky to do that. I'm not optimistic we're winning anything in two years. If you have complete power over everything in the entire apparatus, how do you lose elections? Let's ask Zelensky. Is he's going to be the president in Ukraine for what? 30 years, 40 years, or as long as there's a Ukraine? He's going to be the president there? He jailed all the people running against him. He changed the rules. He's closed churches. He's um, stifled the media. He's made it illegal to report on certain things. He has laws enacted against a free and fair press. He's creating a dictatorship in the Ukraine. That's what the Democrats want to do here. They want to operate the media to be the ministry of truth. It's everything you think. And they're doing it and they're executing and they're doing a great job. But this has to be the end for Joe Biden. This is the end. I don't really see how he can run. If you can't defend what you've done, if you can't put a sentence together, he couldn't even read the statement about what he had done when Peter Ducey started asking questions of Biden at the White House. It's the beginning of the end, and the media have not all flipped yet, but some have. We're watching leftist media outlets break stories. CBS broke the first one. NBC followed up with one. These are leftist organizations breaking stories, negative stories on this president. We have CNN bringing guests on that think they're in a safe zone, beginning to ask questions, how can you defend this? How can you defend this? How can you defend this? We're seeing it on the left, which means the apparatus somewhere, which is probably Obama, pulling the string somewhere, the apparatus, whatever that apparatus is and how it operates, is turning on Joe Biden. They don't want him to run. They don't think he can win even with the things that they do to rig elections. They don't think he can win. I have said, and I, I, boy, I got a bunch of emails on this. People think I'm crazy talking about Gavin Newsom. Folks, I'm just talking about who's going to win the Democrat primary. If this thing open up, opens up and it's not Biden, who's going to beat Gavin Newsom? Mayor Pete? Crazy Bernie? Who are they going to trot out there that's going to beat him? I, I, I'm just, I'm offering that up. If you can tell me somebody that you think has a better chance of winning, it's not going to be some moderate. The Democrat that wins a primary is going to be far left. I'm not telling you Gavin Newsom's done a good thing at all for California. Don't, don't, don't misconstrue my words. I'm merely looking at this as an analyst of who it's going to be, and I think it's going to be Gavin Newsom. And I think he is chuckling, and I think the quieter he is right now, the better. I think, you, I think he's working behind the scenes to get with Obama and all these people and say, let's work this out to where we get Joe to step down. I run, and that's that. Heck, they'll probably get Kamala to retire. To be honest, they can probably convince Kamala Harris to not run and say, we'll offer you a cabinet position. We got you for life. You're not presidential material. We've got you for life. She can't possibly think she could win. They'll work it out. They're really good within their party of figuring out what they want to do. And they, they, they get in line and they do what they do. That's why Newsom is so different. Would he be the one that says, I don't care. I'm not, I, don't, I don't care if Joe Biden's running. I'll run against that guy right here, right now. I think it's all fascinating. But this has to be the end, the beginning of the end for Joe Biden. How do we just now hear about all this stuff? After the midterms, does it not seem a little bit orchestrated? These documents have been around for six years. They were gone for a year. Where were they? For a, Here's the questions the special counsel is going to start asking. Where were these documents for a year before they were at the Penn Biden Center? Where were they then? And who had them? And who saw them? And to me, it doesn't even matter what these documents say, because I've told you, I don't think there's anything top secret here. 
I think what Biden took, I think, like I said on Thursday, there's two reasons somebody would take documents like this. One would be like ego, you know, or something like that, hubris. And the other is financial gain. I don't think Trump took anything for financial gain. I don't think that's his game. I think it is absolutely Biden Inc.'s game. I think whatever he took was stuff that would make him rich or cover up how he got rich. That's what I think. That's what I think they were. But I also am 90% sure that if we're just allowing them to decide what they want to turn over to the archives and to the FBI or whatever, Department of Justice, we're going to trust Biden's lawyers to do this. I'm 90% sure they've destroyed documents. The most damning documents are gone. Make no mistake about this. There is no raid. There's nobody going in trying to find out what's going on. They're just like, okay, send them over when you have time and let us know what you've got. And thank you. Thank you for telling us there were documents next to the Corvette. Thank you for telling us there were documents in the house. Thank you for telling us there were documents at the Penn Biden Center. Thank you. Oh, and thanks for these documents. You think they turned over anything really damning? Of course they didn't. There's no way. There's no way. And this machine is has so much money. It is so corrupt and it is so deep. There are people that would be willing to be the people that would destroy those documents and be told, we got your back. It's never going to get out. Just make sure the president is, I don't want to know what happens. Turn them over, but let's make sure the president's okay, you know, or whatever. And everybody here will be enriched and taken care of from the big global money machine that is the Democrat Party. From George Soros to the Obamas to the Bidens to Ukraine to China, it is all one big nasty international USA last group of people getting really, really rich. And that's all they're doing it for. They're no different than Sam Bankman Freed. They've set up their own scam to get as rich as they possibly can, and they're doing it at the expense of the United States. And they outwardly say it now. We really don't care if the United States is great. We just want to be part of the one global economy, one world, one liberal order. They talk about these things. It's happening. It's like a movie. It's like there's bad guys. Like the villain in a movie is Soros and the liberals and Obama and all these people. And they don't care what the United States is. They're just enriching themselves so they have global control. Man, we live in a complicated time. And there is no comparison to American history. There is not. Because there was never a time that the world was so small. There was never a time that you know, we, the last time we saw somebody really try to do global dominance was Hitler and then the Soviet Union. And it didn't work. You couldn't do it. But if you align with other leaders of other countries and you're all socialists, you're all power crazed, you're all, uh, there are no elections. We're in control forever. It's one party, one uniparty. If you sign up with these countries like China, um, Venezuela, Canada, you know, it's one party rule. If you start getting involved with all these people and say, we're going to all be together, Mexico, we just saw the three of these, the three amigos get together down there in Mexico City and basically say, oh, it's the United States' fault. And the United States is like, okay, it's our fault. We'll take care of it because we're all in this together. I'm sick of it. I'm sick of it. Classified documents out for six years. They're next to a Corvette in his garage, they're in his house, they're in his office. The documents are about Ukraine, Iran, China. They're going to be, they're not going to be that damaging, folks. They're not. It's not going to be national secrets. It's going to be related to Biden dealings, and the important ones are gone. 
If you think that Biden pulled some stuff out that he really didn't want to leave behind for the archives, those are destroyed. Those are gone. The question is, did any eyeballs in the White House see him and remember him? Do we have witnesses that may have seen him and remember him? That's what it's going to take. Because there's going to be no raid, and they're sitting here trusting the Bidens to turn things over. It's ridiculous. It's absolutely insane what's going on. But we do have the media turning on him. Uh, CJP, the White House spokesman, is getting clobbered at all angles for her ridiculous press conferences. Oh, this is really important. Here's how you know the machine's in on it. Stephen Colbert and Jimmy Fallon are now up in Joe Biden's kitchen. Stephen Colbert, and this is involving the gas stoves. You know, they're try, there's a report out that they want to get rid of gas stoves because the emissions from your gas stove are bad for kids. I grew up around gas stoves. I got, I, I got gas stoves in my new home. We had electric for years. Gas cooks better. We know that. We love them. Stephen Colbert did a whole bit on it, and Jimmy Fallon had the best one. He says, Joe Biden's out to get rid of your gas stoves and consumer agencies and all this other stuff. He said, uh, and his joke was, the Biden administration announced that they're going to allow people to keep their gas stoves, but you have to wear N95 masks in your home at all times unless you're eating or drinking. And the audience just laughed and roared, and these are liberals. We're now intertwining gas stove jokes with Joe Biden and COVID. COVID jokes are funny. They're funny because they're based in the truth. And if liberals are hammering Biden for his N95 mask policy, making jokes about that with gas stoves, it's over. It's over. They're coming after him. And I love it. KKHI is brought to you by Back9Development.com. Online at Back9Development.com. Your custom home builder, commercial properties. If you've got, uh, if you're an investor, and you'd like to get involved in some really cool properties, you have an idea or a piece of land that you'd like to develop, Back9 would love to meet with you and see if you guys have uh, a lot in common because, man, TJ does some tremendous developments as well. Back9development.com, 785-236-0161. This could be life-changing for you, life-changing. I mean, if this is your business, it's his business. Y'all might want to meet and sit down and talk about what you can do together to make some serious coin. Back9development.com, 785-236-0161. The Blue Mountain Hotel in Manhattan, Kansas, the new destination in Manhattan, newer, not brand new, it's been around for a few years, wonderful locally owned and operated hotel, and it is a hotel. This is not some big parking lot, pull up, park by your door, get out your old-fashioned key and go into your Super 8 deal. That's not what's going on here. The Blue Mountain Hotel is spectacular. It's got beautiful, big, oversized rooms, Conference spaces, meeting rooms, event spaces, and of course, Goolsby's Indoor Entertainment Center and restaurant. It's cool. It's a great place. Check out the Bluemont Hotel online at bluemonthotel.com. Cross Kitchens KC. I got an email from a gentleman yesterday that wants to finish his basement. I said, do it now. Now through January 31st, Cross Kitchens KC is offering free countertops on qualifying projects. Tim Cross is on every project himself. Just call Tim directly at 816 818-7047. Again, free countertops. And this is not some kind of gimmicky promotion. It's legit. He needs to get his people to work the next two months. They're slow right now. They want to go to work. These projects can be designed and started on quickly, and you can save big. You do not have to start your project by January 31st. If you agree to a remodel project by January 31st with Cross Kitchens KC, you can do it in September. All right? And you're going to qualify for free countertops. Jump on this. Cross Kitchens KC 
Tesla.com. Uh, Tesla has announced they're slashing prices again, not just in China. They're doing this globally now. 20% in Europe, 20% in the United States. Teslas are 20% off in the United States. Elon Musk says we got to find new drivers and get them out of gas cars and get them in an electric. And the best way is to show them a Tesla and give them a 20% discount. Tesla stock in 2022 had the worst year of pretty much any tech stock. Facebook came close. I think it was down a little over 70% for the year. Tesla stock, so Elon Musk was the first person in history. Is this right? He was the first person in history to lose $200 billion in a year. He did. He bought Twitter and is losing a million dollars a day, which is nothing compared to what's happened with Tesla. So in a way, Twitter is a hedge right now against Tesla. He's got two big iconic brands, global brands that he owns. And yes, he's losing money right now at Twitter, but the 50 billion or whatever he spent in a way was a hedge. He froze that money, purchased a company. The stock in Tesla has gone so far down since he did that. It's a little bit of a hedge. Not, uh, diversification is a better word. Diversification is a better word. I don't know about the future of Tesla. I've never, I've never liked Tesla stock, but I'm not a stockbroker and I'm not a stock picker. If you bought Tesla a few years ago and sold it a year ago, you made a pile of money. If you held it for the long term, you've lost a lot of it. You're still up. There's no question it's an iconic brand and its customers are as loyal as any customers, any product that ever existed. They love Teslas. But for example, over the last 90 days or so, one of the hottest stocks on the U.S. stock exchange is Ford. Ford is raising the prices on its EVs. They can't build them fast enough. They can't build cars fast enough right now. They can't. And Tesla's lowering its prices. These are all signs of what? Okay, people are buying into electric cars, but wait a second, truck, Ford and GM got trucks over here. I can go buy a, a, the Silverado EV from Chevrolet or the GMC Sierra or the Hummer. I can get my EV and it's not a Tesla. Tesla does not offer these models. I, it's just, I, I'm, I'm shocked that Tesla has not diversified their model line more and built more models and come out with like a real truck, a real SUV and the whole thing. They just haven't done it. And I know they plan to, but man, everybody else is coming along. Uh, this is a tough spot for them. Really tough spot for them. Uh, what they have is an incredibly loyal consumer base and that will probably carry the day and Tesla will find its way and right the ship. I don't think this company's going away anytime soon. But uh, it's interesting to watch the stock go down like it did in 2022. And now Elon Musk slashing prices globally 20% off on Tesla's. Says he wants to get people out of gas cars. I know what he wants. He wants their first EV to be a Tesla. And, you know, there's, we know this about consumers. You know, if your first beer was a Bud Light, you, you may still be a Bud Light drinker today. They want your first whatever to be something. You know, we, we benefited from that on radio. We were the first all sports radio station. And benefited it for many, many, many years. It's evened out now, but with 20, 20 some year run of complete dominance. So there's something about being first, and he knows that, and he wants people out of gas cars and into Teslas. So he's got the right idea here. I just wonder what it all means. A uh, sad news in the entertainment world: Lisa Marie Presley has died at age 54. She was the daughter of Elvis Presley. She lived quite an interesting life. She was in music. She had four husbands, including Michael Jackson and Nicolas Cage. 
she had, uh, she lost a child. She has other children. And we don't know exactly what this was. They said they saw her at the Golden Globes and she didn't look good. She was stumbling a little bit. And it sounds like maybe this was some sort of cardiac arrest. Maybe she was ill. I don't, I don't know. She had in the past some issues with drugs. We'll find out more about Lisa Marie Presley. I was never into the Elvis, Lisa Marie, whatever. Elvis's wife, I forget her name, the mom, um, Pris, uh, Priscilla, at one point I think was on the TV show Dallas. And I knew her then, but I don't really know about these people from music. I never really followed Lisa Marie and Michael Jackson. I don't know what that was all about. I didn't know she was married to Nicholas Cage until she died. So I, I never really followed her, but you know the name. And she was the sole heir to uh, the estate. Graceland, the sole heir. Her parents, I guess, got it, or his parents got it when he died. But then she became, I don't know, She's the she was the sole heir to all this stuff. So this will get interesting. I don't know what it all means, but it was just shocking. 54, you, you, you just hate to see that. Other celebrity news, Julia Roberts. Everybody knows Julia Roberts, award-winning actress. America's sweetheart, everybody loves Julia Roberts, right? Is actually Julia Mitchell. What? Julia Roberts went on a show called Finding Your Roots on PBS with uh, Lewis Henry Gates. Is that his name? And you subject yourself to a complete DNA test and lineage and all this stuff within your family. And then you come on the show and in a very dramatic fashion, they tell you about your family, things you didn't know about your family. So first and foremost, let me say this. I don't want to know about my family. I don't want to know. I don't want to know anything. Yeah, I got four. We have, I have three siblings. There were four of us, four children in our family. I, 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 I just, I, there's nothing I want to know. I love my life the way it is. I love my parents. I love my upbringing. I don't want to know anything. I don't want to know about my great-great-grandfather, what he may have done and the women he may have been with and what may have happened back then. I don't want to know that because most of us that are doing this are finding that, you know, if you have siblings, you're not full siblings. That somehow, somehow, way, some of you, somebody has something else in them some way. I'm not saying with my, within my family, but Julia Roberts found this out. This is crazy. Julia Roberts isn't even a Roberts. They went back and found that her great, great, great grandfather or something in the 1850s was dead several years before she was born. And she was fathered by a person named Mitchell. And it turns out when Julia Roberts was growing up, four doors down, unbeknownst to her with different names, she had direct first-in-line relatives living there next to her and had no idea her whole life. Her name is not Roberts. She is not a Roberts. She is a Mitchell. Why do people want to know this stuff? I'm serious. Or maybe you're just so happy or confident in where your life is that you find it interesting, but does it really matter? I'm not going to sit here and tell you that there wasn't all kinds of weird stuff that went on with my ancestors. I don't know. They were originally from Germany, but I've been told there's Irish in me. Who knows what that was about? I don't know what these things are. You don't know what happened. Can you imagine the cheating that went on? If we're not talking, if you're talking about, you know, hundreds of years of lineage, generations, they had no idea whose father and mother of babies were. They thought they knew. Like, okay, we're married. We just had a baby. Well, how many 
Millions and millions and millions of babies were not the babies of that father. It's insane. I mean, I don't want to know this stuff. Do you? Julia Roberts found out her name is not Julia Roberts. She's not even part of the Roberts family. She's in no way related to the Roberts family. She's only related to the Mitchell family and her mom's family. I don't know. I didn't get her maiden name here. Her mother's maiden name. She's not a Roberts at all. She has zero Roberts in her. She's no longer Julia Roberts. It's unbelievable. What's she going to do with her name? Now, what do you do? You're a famous actress. What do you do? You change your name to Julia Mitchell? Well, you don't know the Mitchells. Do you go with your mom's maiden name? Do you stay with Roberts because it's your brand? Why? Why? I don't want to know this. I think it's fascinating that people do. I don't want to know. All I want to know is that you're getting a great deal at Roberts Robinson. If you're going in for a Chevy EV or the Hummer, you can order one at robertsrobinson.com or the GMC Sierra EV. They're all available at robertsrobinson.com. A simple contact here. Tim Trader's the guy. I got an email I saw this morning. I've not responded to it yet. A guy's looking for a GM. He wants to use Roberts Robinson. Tim Trader is the guy to call. 816-826-1563. Just ask for Tim. When you call Roberts Robinson, just ask for Tim. And he'll dial you up right from the get-go. Anything you want to order, they can get it for you. They will put every discount and apply it at the time of ordering. You will spend less money at Roberts Robinson than anywhere else and get the best service. RobertsRobinson.com, 816-826-1563. Think of it this way. It doesn't really matter that Roberts Robinson is in Excelsior Springs. Let's say you live in Warrensburg. It doesn't matter. Roberts Robinson can be your dealer and they're going to, they'll bring it to you in Warrensburg if you want to. They'll deliver, when your car is delivered to them, they'll detail it up, polish the whole thing up and deliver it to you in Warrensburg. They'll do all of it for you. It doesn't really matter which dealer you use. It matters the one that's going to take the best care of you. It's all about the service and the price and nobody's going to beat Roberts Robinson and they're unbelievable, unabashed conservatives. Yes, robertsrobinson.com, Chevrolet Buick GMC, 816 826 one, five, six, three. Buck Roofing and Construction. Uh, sit down, you know, have Ron Buck out for your free roof inspection and start talking politics with him. See what he thinks about Joe Biden. Just do it. All of these sponsors are incredible. Buck Roofing is 913-384-2680. You'll sleep well knowing Buck Roofing fixed the roof over your head. And Fry Orthodontics, online at fryorthodontics.com. You deserve that perfect smile for life. So does your child or grandchild. There's only one place to get the white glove treatment and the smiles and the laughter while getting the treatment, and that is Fry Orthodontics. They make it fun. They make it a fun experience. It's a happy place. They got music playing. It's good. Teenagers love it. It's great. FryOrthodontics.com. You might as well have fun with it. If you're going to get a perfect smile for life, enjoy getting it. Enjoy the process. At FryOrthodontics.com, where Invisalign is the same price as braces. On to sports, three big college basketball games coming up this weekend. Kansas plays Iowa State. Caleb Grill plays for Iowa State. He averages 11 points a game. He's from Wichita. And he just went ahead and they're feeling so good at Iowa State right now, undefeated in the league and playing well, coming off a 36-point beatdown of Texas Tech. Iowa State feels so good that Caleb Grill from Wichita just decided to throw bulletin board material up. Why not piss off the Jayhawks before we go into Allen Fieldhouse? He said, I grew up in Wichita, but I've never been a KU fan. I wasn't much of a KU fan. I liked Iowa State or Wichita State some. I've never been a KU fan. 
I've never been a KU fan. He grew up in Wichita. He's a very, very good basketball player. I've never been a KU fan. Just put it up on the board, Bill. Put it up in the locker room. Just put it up there. One of our local guys lived his whole life in Kansas. I've never been a KU fan. Caleb Grill had four three-pointers in their beatdown of Tech. He's averaging 11 a game. And my guess is the student body at Allen Fieldhouse on Saturday is going to be all over Caleb Grill. I'll be watching for that one. KU did not play well earlier this week. Iowa State did. This should be should be a ball game, but now this is the kind of game where Kansas looks at it and goes, okay, we're circling this. We have to beat this team. This is a competitor in the Big 12. All right, they could win the league. We could win the league. This is a big game. Kansas is kind of becoming that team. We're seeing that. If they're up for you, they play well. If they, they're taking you lightly, we've seen it not work the same way. Fascinated by this. I like Kansas in this game because I think they're going to play at a completely different level because of a wide variety of reasons, not to not the least of which is the fact that Iowa State hasn't lost in the league. K-State is at TCU, and I think this is where the winning streak ends. Kansas State has its longest winning streak in nine years. They've won nine in a row. Mike Miles Jr. is the leading scorer for TCU. TCU is off to an incredible start, and they'd won 11 games in a row. They've lost two heartbreakers in a row in the league, but they're back home. And I'm telling you, this is a bad setup for K-State. TCU just blew a 14, 16, 18-point lead. They get up by 18 against Texas on Wednesday night and lost that game at the buzzer. It's a tough spot for Kansas State. There is a chance they're just better than TCU. But TCU's returned all five starters from a year ago. They were good last year. Most people think they're the second-best team now in the league behind KU. But you can't. Keep that moniker if you lost two in a row. You darn sure can't keep that moniker if you lose to K-State. If K-State wins this game, they will have won three of the five hardest road tests in the league if they win this. The other two remaining, the hardest test, I'm just ranking hardest tests. The remaining hardest tests, obviously, are Allen Fieldhouse and Iowa State. But TCU's right there. You win this game, they'll have wins at TCU, Texas, and Baylor. What an opportunity for K-State. Missouri's at Florida. I misspoke, was talking about the Tigers earlier this week. I thought that I, I, I promise you, I read that this game, I saw a, a scoreboard somewhere that said this game was in Columbia this weekend. It is not. And that changes the entire week for Missouri. I, was, I did a whole riff on, you know, Missouri. Hey, it's one thing to lose that, go home, beat Florida. Your week is good. This game's at Florida. I, I, this game's at Florida. So Florida now is playing better. They've won two in a row. They won at LSU this week. They're playing a little bit better. This is Saturday afternoon on SEC Network. Missouri's given up 79.5 points a game in their last three games. That's obviously in the SEC. And Kobe Brown keeps getting in foul trouble. Those are the two main things. they got to find a way to get some stops defensively. And I'm not talking about slowing the game down because that's not what Missouri does. They score. They're a fast-paced scoring team, but you have to get some blocks. You have to get in position, maybe draw a charge or two here and there. Kobe Brown's got to stay out of foul trouble. Generally, when you're in foul trouble, it's because you're out of position. I I can't really blame coaching. This is more style than coaching, I think. This is the style Missouri wants to play. But, man, just a few stops. This be a good win. they got to go win this game, man. you got to beat Florida. Florida's beatable. Missouri got off to this great start at this lofty record. If you want to continue this, you got to pick off some of these winnable games on the road. This is a winnable game. For the Missouri Tigers at Florida on Saturday on SEC Network. The Cleveland Guardians made an announcement in baseball. 
They're renovating their stadium. We've heard a lot about this in Kansas City, about the new stadium. Here's the way they describe it in Cleveland. The stadium is going to have bars, living rooms, bars, upscale restaurants, bars, themed hangouts, bars, event spaces, and bars. Now, this stadium's downtown. It sounds like they're creating their own bar district on the outside of their stadium that people will be able to go to and have experiences and restaurants and things like that when the Guardians are not playing. That's an interesting new concept. Not an entertainment district, but they're building it at their stadium, probably on the outside by the concourses, where it will be a destination place to go even when the Guardians are not playing. We'll see how that plays out. All right, we're going to hear from uh, my appearance on Pete Mundo. We'll talk a little NFL. Here's your schedule again this weekend. Seattle's at San Francisco, 3 o'clock on Saturday. The night game Saturday night is the Chargers at Jacksonville. That's the biggest game because the Chiefs are likely to play that winner. Miami's at Buffalo early Sunday. Then it's the Giants at Minnesota. Then Sunday night, it's Baltimore at Cincinnati. On Monday night, it's Dallas at Tampa Bay. I like Seattle to play San Francisco closer than anybody thinks. I like the Chargers to beat Jacksonville. I like Buffalo to destroy Miami. Don't care what the line is there. I like the Giants. I think they're the underdog here. I like the Giants to win outright at Minnesota. I like Cincinnati over Baltimore in a lower scoring game than you would think. And I like Dallas over Tampa. And not particularly close. I think Dallas writes the ship this week. There's my picks for this weekend. We'll get into that with Pete Mundo. It is brought to you by bstock.net. Bstock is offering free delivery this month as their playoff special on any purchase of $1,000 or more. That can be a combination of TV, computer, accessories, anything. $1,000 or more free delivery in the Kansas City metro area. Contact bstock.net for more information and get that brand new sweet big screen for the playoffs. And Advantage Termite and Pest Control online at advantagetpc.com. Ask about the bundle. You can bundle termite, lawn care, mosquitoes, wildlife, and pest control all in one and save big money. 913-768-8989. That is 768-8989, advantagetpc.com. Pete Mundo was very kind to have me on. He's the hardest guy to prepare for, to go on with. That is a compliment. You never know what he's going to ask you. He could go off into politics. We could go in different directions. We actually differed on the neutral site thing, which we get into. The reason he had me on was to talk about the Chiefs-Bills possibility of playing a neutral site game in Atlanta and what it means. And I kind of took it a different direction than the one. He's mad at the Chiefs that they didn't stand up for themselves, try to keep this game for the local economy and all this other stuff. I get it. I, I don't disagree with Pete's point other than there was no fair way. The root cause here, we use a Democrat term, the root cause, of course, is the NFL caving to all these pressures from the left and making the decisions they make. And that, that is where we went with this discussion with Pete Mundo on KCMO Talk Radio 710. I heard so much of this over the last you know week or so since we found out the AFC Championship game, if it's between the Chiefs and the Bills, would be played at a neutral site. We now found out yesterday that neutral site, if that matchup does happen, will be in Atlanta. So if the Chiefs and the Bills both get to the AFC title game, that game will be in Atlanta. That's because of what happened with Demar Hamlin, uh, the Bills player who suffered cardiac arrest on the field. The game eventually got canceled, despite the fact that the Chiefs have a better winning percentage than the Bills, because the Bills only played 16 games. They're 13 and three. The Chiefs are 14 and three. 
the NFL decided, well, you know, we don't know what would have happened with that game. And because the Bills would have had the tiebreaker over the Chiefs, uh, it just doesn't seem fair to make the Bills go to Kansas City. So we'll do this neutral site idea. Um, The Chiefs were called noble for avoiding a vote put forth to the NFL owners on that neutral site decision last week. And I didn't think it was noble. I thought that the Chiefs should have stood up for local businesses, for small businesses, who obviously make a lot of money. If there's an AFC title game here, they didn't do it. They abstained from voting. And now we've got a potential neutral site AFC title game if the Chiefs and the Bills meet there in a couple of weeks. Kevin Keatsman, the host of the growing and popular KK Has Issues podcast. Be sure to check it out wherever you get your podcasts. He's on KCMO. Kevin, what have you made of how the Chiefs have handled this over the last uh, 10 days or so? Well, I guess I don't have much. Thanks for having me, Pete. Always great to be on your show. I don't have much problem necessarily with the Chiefs as much as I do with the NFL and our culture in general. I spent a great deal of time on my podcast talking about how, and this has been going on for years, this is a trend we've moved in this country, if people see something, it's a different news story than if they read something or hear something that is fact. In other words, if we saw video of Joe Biden putting classified documents in a box in his garage next to his vet, that's a lot different for a lot of people than hearing that he did it. We watched DeMar Hamlin collapse, and for several minutes, I think a lot of people, or maybe even an hour or longer, People thought the man was going to die. So every decision that was made after that, in hindsight now, was nothing more than the term we always hear, an abundance of caution. Nobody wanted to insult DeMar Hamlin or what millions of people have seen. The telling thing about that incident was they had 11 million viewers watching Monday Night Football. When DeMar Hamlin went down, the number of people watching that broadcast because of social media reaction and people who were not watching went up to 26 million. They had two and a half times as many people watching him lay on the ground as watching the actual game. So we're all crazy. We all stop at car crashes or slow down or train wrecks or whatever and want to see what's going on. So everything the NFL did after that, I, I, can, I mean, I'm going to say it, everything they did after that was wrong. It was just flat wrong. They, they knew the man when they had the ambulance in the tunnel that night, and they waited for yeah. his mother to come down and ride with him. All of his vitals were stable at that point. He was breathing, his heart was beating, whatever, they put a tube in him, and they were waiting for his mom to go to the hospital. There was no risk of death at that point, and everybody knew it. But it didn't change what people had seen, and it didn't change what the NFL did. So how they didn't, at the very least, say, okay, we're postponing this game tonight, we're sending the bills to their hotel, and we're going to come back tomorrow at 3 o'clock in the afternoon and finish this game, is beyond me. But they didn't. Once they did, how do you clean the mess up? Well, there is no good way to clean it up. Did the Chiefs get ripped off? I believe they did. I think the Bengals were about to win that game. The Chiefs should have home field advantage. And maybe the Chiefs could have made that argument, but they would have been villains nationally if they tried to make that argument. The team that really got screwed is the Bengals. They were across midfield about to go up 14-3. to They were going to beat the Bengals that night, and they would have become the two seed at that point, which means next week if the Bills and Bengals play against each other, the Bengals have to go to Buffalo instead of the other way around. How is that fair? I mean, the Bengals kind of got screwed on this thing, too. So if we're really worried about the integrity of the league or whatever, the, the, to me, the real future problem is they're going to keep canceling games. This was just the beginning. We're going to now see this as the norm over the years, and they better come up with some sort of policy. If I'm a Buffalo fan, I can make the argument, look, we already beat Kansas City. We should have the game at home. So both these teams have some sort of an argument that they should be the home team, and I guess the neutral side is the only way out. 
What do you make of this thought process that the NFL may be wanting this to happen, this Chiefs-Bills matchup in Atlanta, to test run an idea of conference championship games being at neutral sites? Do you buy into that theory that the NFL could be exploring that down the road? I don't. Um, I, I know a lot of people talk about that to have something to say. That would be so far down the road. I'm trying to think of one good reason why you would do that, why you would take the game away from the fans. You just articulated that at the very beginning of the segment, that, look, this is bad for Kansas City. We could have had a fifth straight AFC championship game here, and we still may, by the way. I, if anybody cares, I think Cincinnati is the most complete team in the AFC, and I think they're playing the best at the end of the year. However, the Chiefs' defense has come on strong of late, and it is an incredible sign. If the Chiefs' defense plays well in the postseason, the Chiefs are the best team in the NFL. So watch the Chiefs' defense as the playoffs go. The Chiefs will go as far as their defense takes them. But, you know, I, I just I don't think you ever want to take this away from the home teams. I think there's just too much tradition there. And I've, always, I've also been an advocate for moving the Super Bowl around to outdoor cold-weather sites. Like, I would have no trouble if the Super Bowl one year was at Lambeau Field or a new Arrowhead Stadium if we decided not to go Dome. I wouldn't have a problem with any of those things as long as you knew it in advance and we're building your team and preparing for a game like that. I've always been an advocate of moving the Super Bowl all over the league, but I don't think they're going to do that with the title games. But what evidence is there that the NFL cares more about the hometown fans in a fill-in-the-blank city over their own bottom line if they think uh, conference title games at neutral sites can make them more money? Well, what neutral sites are we talking about here? Are we talking about NFL stadiums? Because I don't think they're going to go to college stadiums. Uh, you know, they might be able to do something like yeah. that. But if they're going to another NFL site, now owners are going to bid against each other for these games. I don't think that's really practical that owners would try to bid against one another for those games. I, that, that's just me. I, I really don't think that it will get to that point. But I guess maybe if it's all about money, my concern is is a little bit on the other end of the spectrum. The NFL is so conscious and worried about what the American public thinks about their company, their brand, their organization, that they have moved way left, even though the owners are all way right. And I don't understand it. And this decision was one of those things. Again, I, I, said, I said the night and the next day on my podcast that this incident happened with Hamlin. I said, we're going to look back and use the term abundance of caution. We're going to. Once I heard the ambulance stopped and waited for his mom, Okay, there was one of two things. He was either mm -hmm. going to be okay or he was in the ambulance dead. But if he was dead, they wouldn't let the mom in there. They'd be taken into the hospital to try to save his life or do whatever. So, I mean, I thought this was going to be abundance of caution all along. There are doctors say, we've heard doctors say, well, there's no question if it, if it was just the absolute helmet thing that knocked his heart out of rhythm, he can play next year. There's going to be no long-term effect. To this point, they've found no heart issue or myocarditis or any of these other things. They haven't found those. That doesn't mean they don't exist or they can't find them, and I won't rule that out. But I just I think the NFL, you know, we, we got to a point, you know, you saw this, Pete, somewhere 15, 20 years ago, we got to a point where when it rains, they stop football games. Well, there's lightning within 10 miles, so we're closing the game down. I can't really complain about that. I don't want people to die. There were some people that died at a golf tournament one time because of a lightning strike. They were sitting in metal bleachers. So I guess we really can't complain about some of these things. But is it progress if somebody gets a neck injury now or a back injury and they strap them to the board? And, you know, we, they immobilize them immediately. If they have anything wrong with their vertebrae or thing, they strap them to the board. It's almost always temporary and never lasting. It's been since the 70s, since anybody had a real problem with something like that. Are we going to cancel those games now because somebody went out on a flat board? What are we going to do in the NFL? And I, I'll ask you this. If John went down this morning and the ambulance came 
and somebody else there could help you produce the show the rest of the way, would, would they just close down Cumulus Media today and everybody would go home? No, they wouldn't close down the station if somebody got sick and got in an ambulance and left. I think the NFL, I think we better watch what happens in the future because I think their game plan now is just going to be to stop games. When something looks serious, they're just going to stop games. And I think that's a very dangerous thing for this league. Yeah, in the words of uh, Leonardo DiCaprio from Wolf of Wall Street, the show goes on. Show I mean, goes you on. Know, you got to keep doing your job. Show goes on. Show how, goes how, on. how many radio stations you uh, have there? I mean, and let me ask you this: if this happened at a seven. if this happened at a noon game in Jacksonville, if it was Jacksonville playing Tennessee at noon on a Sunday, would they have stopped that game or would they have kept playing? Was it because mm-hmm. it was Monday Night Football mm-hmm. and everybody was watching? Well, I, I I don't have these answers, but that's the way the NFL reacts. I don't think every case is similar. And if it happened on a Sunday afternoon, would they have stopped the other games around the league? Because that's what they were talking about doing was just not playing football for a week. Like it was 9-11 or something. I, I just think yeah, the NFL, I, I think the whole world, Pete, you know this about me, and I think you're the same way. We are so sick of the mamsy-pamsy overreactions to everything based on what we think Mostly people on the left on social media will think and what they will say about us. I am sick of it. Let's be real Americans. Let's toughen up a little bit. All right. Let's live in a real honest world with truth and not cater to the left on social media. I'm sick of it. The last thing for you, Kevin Keatsman, um, the chiefs are obviously not playing this week and they've got to buy. There are six wild card games. Which one is Kevin Keats been locked into and most intrigued by this weekend? Well, I think the Chargers in Jacksonville, because that's likely to be the game that decides who the Chiefs play. And I don't know any Kansas City fan that wants to play the Chargers again. So I think we should all be rooting for Jacksonville to win that game. Not that Jacksonville couldn't come to Kansas City and win. Again, this is assuming that Baltimore will lose at Cincinnati, which I think they will. Um, but I, don't, I just don't think we want to play the Chargers in the division for a third time. So that's the one I'm really, really concerned about. A lot of people are talking about Dallas and Tampa just because the brand names and Brady and all this stuff. Man, I don't know. These teams These teams don't look all that good to me or at least all that consistent to me. I think the NFC is all about Philadelphia and San Francisco at this point. So I guess I'll be locking in on the Saturday night game, the Chargers and Jacksonville, mostly because I believe the winner is who the Chiefs will play. Makes sense to me. He's Kevin Keatsman, the podcast. Kevin Keatsman has issues. Find it wherever you get your podcast. He's not just sports. He's politics, local, national news, everything else, culture, whatever's going on. Kevin's got you covered. Kevin, have a great weekend, man. Uh, enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks. I got to go check some documents in a box in the garage next to my Chevy. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Kevin Keatsman Has Issues, presented by Roberts Robinson Chevrolet Buick GMC. To get exclusive patrons-only podcasts, receive a weekly newsletter, and attend in-person patrons-only parties, visit kkhasissues.com and become a patron today. This has been a production of Crooked Tail Media Incorporated. Woo-hoo!